0: mark rockwell helping frustrated attorneys build healthy thriving law firms this is episode 124 on kelly Bagley's go legal yourself podcast
1: welcome to the go legal yourself podcast this show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business welcome to the go legal yourself podcast i'm your host and legal friend attorney kelly bagler the queen of business law and today i have the pleasure of interviewing mark rockwell mark is a coach and he actually helps frustrated lawyers build healthy thriving law firms welcome to the show coach rockwell
0: well good morning kelly despite our technological challenges uh, we're we're live and talking and looking at one another.
1: Yes, we are. And, and, and I do not have a technical bone in my body. So this is exciting for me
0: <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah, So, Mark, do you have a lawyer joke or a favorite quote to share with us?
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll share one of both. Actually, I hadn't even been thinking about the quote, but the quote, which brings back a memory from my childhood when my father would ask me to go mow the lawn and I would conveniently when he would come home, he was a dentist, he would come home at lunch and want to know why the lawn wasn't mowed. And I'd say, well, I couldn't get the lawnmower started. And then several years ago, I saw this quote, which brought back those painful memories because the quote says, if it's something you want to do, you'll find a way.
1: There you go. If it's
0: not, you'll find an excuse. And I could just remember those conversations thinking if I'd wanted to get that going, if that had been a motorbike or something important, I probably would have figured out a way to get it going. So that would be a, an inspirational quote, one of many that I enjoy. The joke, I don't have a lot of lawyer jokes, but I am reminded of one uh, where there is this uh, very healthy, aspiring attorney who is in the middle of his career, and he's doing extremely well, and he suddenly dies. And he meets St. Peter at the pearly gates, and he goes into a strong protest. He says, St. Peter, there's got to be a horrible mistake. I couldn't possibly have died and be here already. And St. Peter said, well, no, not at all. Uh, you're actually quite elderly. And he said, how so? He said, well, we have audited your time cards and you have to be well past 80.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that joke, actually. <laughs> it's all those billable hours he's been accounting for, right?
0: <laughs> yes, stacking those up and and eating away at his life expectancy.
1: Exactly. Tell us about yourself, Coach. How how did you get to where you are and, and particularly working with lawyers?
0: Well, I'm a lawyer by background I went to Willamette University and got my ticket punched in the state of Washington. But while I was going through law school, I really kind of got sidetracked off into business. So much of my career has been not only doing a lot of legal practice, not as a private practitioner, but in the context of my own companies that I've started because they've been real estate development for the most part. And we've had, as you can imagine, with real estate, lots and lots and lots of real estate legal transactions. But to fast forward uh, and tell you how I became a business and and coach to lawyers is the last company I started back in 08 uh, was a healthcare company. It grew to about 800 employees. We were doing about $50 million a year in, in volume, caring for people who suffer from dementia, Alzheimer's. We had 12 communities in four states. And interestingly enough, and this has led me, Kelly, to coin a phrase, embrace wisdom wherever you find it. The genesis of that is one morning at breakfast, a young man that I had been mentoring for 10 years brought a book to breakfast. He knew I was a pathological reader. And he said, (laughs) here's a book I think you'll like. And it was Traction by Geno Wickman about the EOS Entrepreneurial Operating System. And so having no excuse but to go back to my office and order it, I did. And it came in a couple of days. And this young man's name was Derek. And I knew he would quickly ask me if I'd read the book. So I thought, you know, I better put not put this on that big stack of unread books. I better just break it out and read it. And it was a very good book. And so the next time uh, we visited, he said, well, would you like to talk to the man who's helping us implement that in our company? Fast forward, when I sold my organization after having implemented EOS in our organization with the help of a man by the name of Don Sasse, I thought, you know, I don't have any interest in retiring. I think I'm going to help implement uh, this in other businesses. Well, people knew me as a lawyer and a lot of people I knew as attorneys started calling me and saying, hey, could you maybe do us a favor and help us implement that in our organization. And so while not all of my clients are attorneys, a fair number are. And it's just great fun because as you know, Kelly, once you lift the hood on most law firms and you look underneath, there's a lot of opportunity to improve and uh, streamline operations. And that's what I help them do.
1: So coach, it's amazing that you bring this to light because my guest that I previously had on, she specifically does online marketing for the legal industry. Right out of the gate, she said, oh, well, they don't teach you how to become a business owner or run your own law firm in law school. (laughs) I don't remember taking that class. Do you?
0: Well, you're absolutely right, Kelly. And no, I didn't. Actually, there was one, I remember just one very small kind of cameo appearance, and I'm not sure what course it was in, but some attorney from Portland came down and he talked about law office economics and how, you know, you could go through the analysis of whether or not you should spend some money on an investment to expedite the operation. That was all I remember in law school. I have been told by a fellow who uh, who teaches actually business uh, management or office management at, at a, I think it's TCU law school. He said there are currently only 14% of law schools in the United States. One, four have any kind of class on law firm management. Mm -hmm. All kidding aside, that actually is malpractice. I I somewhat jokingly, but seriously say, it's like doctors going through medical school and no one explaining to them that they need to wash their hands before they go into surgery or sterilize their instruments. And if you heard someone say they'd never learned that in medical school, you would be aghast. (laughs) And yet here we have attorneys, bright people, men and women coming out who have been totally, totally focused on the mechanics of teaching law, but with nary a mention about how you actually run the operation. And I guess that's the assumption based on the assumption that all men and women graduating are going to go to work for large law firms. And yet we know statistically, that's not true. A large percentage of lawyers in the United States are in firms consisting of fewer than five people. And many, many are solo practitioners.
1: My experience, uh, Coach, was when I graduated from law school, sat for the bar, and my very first attorney position was actually with Baker McKenzie. At the time, it was the largest international law firm in the world. So I was very, very grateful that I got experience, if you will, really how to practice law from there. But as far as starting my own law firm, as far as Marketing, as far as going out and, and, and getting clients, none of that is taught in law school. And in fact, the, the zero classes there that, that do that. So are you still practicing?
0: No, actually, I now dedicate my entire uh, career to working with entrepreneurs, whether they're attorneys or other professions, and help them get really positioned to scale and grow. I'm not a genius. I don't say that to be falsely humble, but the things that I share with law firms about the fundamentals of core values and having a core focus, measuring their performance and having a plan, these are not rocket science. They are, but they're fundamentals that if you've never been exposed to them, you are really as confused as I would be trying to figure out some advanced chemical formula that I am completely lost. Well, you know, my stumblings, even getting the mic to work today was, was a challenge for me. So there are a lot of things I'm not an expert in. And I understand that if you're an attorney and you've never been exposed to any business principles and you've spent most of your career focused on the technical aspects of law and you're really good at it, it's not at all hard to understand how a person would find office management and discipline and goals and core values as being sort of like a foreign language.
1: Just imagine for a second, I certainly can, anyone, any attorney that decides to leave the big practice and start their own firm or two or three of them get together and and decide to start their own firm, knowing before you take that leap, knowing exactly what is your shared coach, what are the core values? What is your benefit that you're offering? What, how do you want clients to perceive you and your firm? If, if we even started off with the benefit or, or the basics like that, we could have been way ahead of the game. It seems to me that lawyers that go into solo practice, they really have to learn on the job. So they learn what's working, what's not working, but sometimes it takes years and years to learn when they could have hired someone like you right out of the gate and said, okay, well, this is what we want to do. What would you suggest? How do we set up the firm? How? What kind of strategies would be put in place? Just to even think about focusing on the particular practice of law as doctors obviously lawyers have a multitude of different um, practices within law and when i see a law firm or a lawyer particularly that lists on their site they do everything they do business formations they do business litigation they do intellectual property i smile just the way you're smiling right now you cannot you just simply cannot be a jack or jane of all trades when you are a lawyer now coach I am a business formation and asset protection lawyer and I absolutely love what I do and I'm brilliant at it you know I'm and I'm very humble as well by the way <laughs> Very humble, but I'm brilliant at what I do. Why? Because that's all I focus on. That's all I do. Now, you talk about um, mistakes, right? I'd love to talk to you about the five mistakes lawyers make that kill their career. I'm sure that was probably one of them, right? Trying to do everything.
0: Well, absolutely. But uh, even backing up from that, before you even get to that type of fundamental error, and, and the, so the good news here, Kelly, is the fact that all of these mistakes, which are very fatal, are also very manageable. Mm-hmm. I would not for a moment pretend that I have mastered all of them. It's, it's like a person who may not overindulge in candy, but you still have a piece from time to time. Well, the same with these mistakes. <laughs> and none of us are 100% perfect. So where does it start? It starts really with a mindset that, attorneys, particularly, I think, when they start their own law firms, feel as though they need to be at all times accessible to their clients. And that is a huge mistake, because it is a demonstrated fact that if we are interrupted, which we all are constantly, that it takes somewhere between 12 and 20 minutes to spool back up to optimum performance. Mm -hmm. So, First mistake most attorneys make, and they're not all in this order necessarily, but one is we are completely distracted by our emails. We feel the need to immediately and constantly respond to emails. Huge interruption. So that's one that most attorneys make. The second, and I'm guilty of this myself from time to time, is not turning off your cell phone and just setting it aside. Second mistake. Third is allowing unscheduled or accepting unscheduled phone calls from clients. If clients feel that they that you're always at the other end of the phone and you will always pick up, trust me, that actually encourages them to call you with whatever issue is on the top of their mind and it's going to interrupt you. The next, of course, is interruptions from your own colleagues. That is perhaps one of the most serious and the most challenging. And so how do we handle this? Well, one of the ways we handle it is an attorney should, if at all possible, ask some assistant to handle as many of the emails for them as is possible. That doesn't mean that that associate can handle all of them or uh, an assistant, but many of them. Secondly, the way you can manage it is you can have an agreement up front with your clients or an understanding up front that phone calls and meetings need to be scheduled you know that may sound uncustomer or unclient oriented i think that if it's explained up front that this is all in an effort to be responsive and that you will absolutely get back to them that same day it may not be in 15 minutes but you'll get back to them that's understandable i would understand it as a client and i would understand that it's essential so these are the five things that people allow to completely and continually disrupt their day whether it's colleagues emails meetings phone calls that has to be managed and once those habits are put in place i can attest to the fact that it it isn't a modest difference it will save a person somewhere between 2 and 3 hours every day it is staggering the amount of time that is lost when a person allows their life to be taken over by those interruptions
1: so i'm going to play the devil's advocate here for a second coach the clients that are um, seeking my services again we do business formations mm-hmm. they are um, more of the younger crowd now they they're coming out as entrepreneurs they want to start their own businesses they've got fantastic ideas and we seem to be living in a world right now that everything is just at your fingertips everything is constant if you miss a call maybe this is what you've based your law firm on, right? It's integrity. It's being available to clients. That's why they want to hire you and and be able to call you if they're at the bank or something like that. And you don't get back to them until later that day. Well, I think that these clients are probably going to move on to someone that is going to be more available to them. So how would you deal with that type of situation?
0: Well, the, the circumstance that you posed, I think is a real one. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that an individual should be, as an attorney or any service provider, should be callous and insensitive. What I'm going to share with you is probably easier said than done, but I I do believe that to the extent that there are ground rules and an understanding up front, how you will respond, it can be managed. So here's what I would suggest as a possibility, and it's just a possibility. We're brainstorming now. You could say to a client, for instance, one of the things I really struggle with is interruptions. I want to be, on the one hand, very, very responsive, but I also recognize that to do quality work, I really need quality think time and quality uninterrupted time. That said, I will tell you this. Here is a number for a cell phone that you can call any time when you know it is an absolute bona fide emergency. I'm never going to leave you in a situation that is a bona fide emergency. If it's not a bona fide emergency, what I will pledge to you is I will be back to you within X number of hours when you place an email or a phone call, because I want to, on the one hand, make sure that I'm being highly productive. And at the same time, I want you to have the assurance that you will never, ever be left in limbo. Does that make sense?
1: It absolutely does. It is a great response. It is. Like you said, as attorneys that go into solo practice, we are the CEO, we're the treasurer, we're the secretary, we're the janitor, we're everything. And until we become smart enough to hire an assistant, we have to do all of the marketing and answer the phones ourselves as well. And it can get quite challenging, coach, for someone in that position that has to answer the phones, their own phones. But I think it's probably, and and again, it's definitely a case-by-case basis. It depends on the attorney's personality. It depends on whether they literally have to set aside some time to be productive, to draft contracts. And yes, some, some of my best work I've done, I'm a very early riser, So I, I do my drafting in the morning and then sometimes in the evening time as well with zero interruptions. I am with you right there. You know, you're you're more productive with zero interruptions. But I think throughout the day, people are expecting even, you know, as a business owner, you're expected, again, to answer the phone, to be available. I completely understand all of that. But when you when you talk about um, helping frustrated lawyers, so in particular, what what would you say lawyers are frustrated about?
0: Well, there are several things. One is they feel as though they're working way too hard and putting way too much time in for the finished product, uh, for what comes out the other end as far as Compensation, net productivity, needing to put in endless amounts of hours in many firms not understanding what success looks like. You know, that's one of the biggest frustrations I think most colleagues have in any type of organization, whether it's a plumbing company or law firm. What does success look like? And I will tell you in most organizations, what success looks like is either very poorly defined or not defined at all. And so when you then overlay that with interruptions where people are working endless amounts of hours and feeling as though they aren't gaining on it, I use a corny illustration, it's like going up the down escalator. You just keep walking and walking and walking and walking, and you're making some very small gains, but you see that the system is working, actually taking you downhill, not uphill. So that, that I think is the biggest frustration is a sense of burnout, a sense of, of really not enjoying the work that they thought they were going to enjoy. And it's because it's becoming tediously overwhelming. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, Everything that you just said, I cannot relate to it. (laughs) I'm coach. I'm one of those people that I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was five years old, right? I didn't even know what a lawyer was back then. But uh, I'm the only lawyer in my family and I absolutely love what I do. I truly love, um, I've been, again, very blessed. And I think success to anyone would be, and again, it's very case by case. And however somebody defines success, that's on them. But I think it's really living that, a balanced lifestyle, right? If you're you're married, you want to spend time with your spouse when they come home from work. If you have dogs, you want to make sure you take your dogs out so you spend time with them as well. And I think it's fantastic to hire you as a a voice of reason, someone that has been there and done that and has experience. And so you can guide these frustrated lawyers, if you will. But I, I think most of how to bill how to set your prices and and how to really feel wonderful about the product that you're putting out, it comes through experience as well. Again, at the big law firm, I never met a client. I was expected to sit behind the desk and work, work, work. I didn't know what networking was. I didn't know how to speak to clients. I had no idea. And so when I went off to a smaller firm, the partner there took me out to a networking event and he said I said well you know what well, well, how do you ask for business do you just say do you need a lawyer and he goes no well the way you ask is you know this is what I do and we're always looking to grow so if there's any way we can help you please don't hesitate so I had to learn you know not from the big law firm but but sort of through the my career path and just being again accessible coach and you know, that's what's really been successful for me is that I'm, I am accessible to my clients and the ones, the clients that I do have, they they don't. I think the clients, especially when they're dealing with attorneys, they have an expectation. They know you can't just pick up the phone and interrupt every single time. But I think, um, especially now, the, the new generation of lawyers that are coming out, Coach, one of my legal assistants, she's a bright young lady. She is going to be going to law school next year. I've taught her more. I said, hands-on experience here at the firm you will be able to teach some of these classes at law school cuz i never got this experience anywhere and so she's ready to go but she brought that technology side to the firm right she 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 thought outside the traditional paths of getting things done and i think the brand new set of lawyers that will be graduating and coming out over the next you know year to 5 years I see their practices changing quite a bit too. How would you coach someone, right? I mean, if you had to give them three pieces of advice, someone that was going to graduate and, and go into solo practice, what would those three pieces of advice be? Then again, that could be sort of broadened out to any entrepreneur, right?
0: First of all, uh, and it, it would be about life in general. This would apply to more than attorneys, but certainly to attorneys. And that is um, focus, One of the things, in fact, that probably is one of the first go to words I would say applies to most of us is we need to focus as a society. We have particularly with the benefit of technology and the ability to learn and touch and see and go and and be ever present in so many different ways. There is that human temptation to think we can do it all. And that is a very
1: coach. We can't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Are you saying we can't do it all? <laughs> we certainly
0: can't. And we certainly we certainly can't do it within a finite bandwidth. Uh, that's one of the misperceptions I think that we all have, particularly when we're young. And this is classic of young uh, attorneys as well as young entrepreneurs, well, actually entrepreneurs in general, is we'll just work longer, we'll pedal harder, and we will make this work. The problem is, You can't sustain that when you're young and you are even into middle age. If you aren't worried about life balance and you're not worried about your health, you can work 18 hour days and you can pedal really, really fast, probably aren't having a lot of fun doing it. But you are, in fact, billing out a lot of hours. And maybe that makes up for some of it. But at some point, that individual wakes up and goes, is this all there is? And the answer is, no, actually, there can be a lot more to life, but you've got to rebalance. So my first uh, advice would be focus. Don't try to be all things to all people. Secondly would be, and I would make this statement to individuals as well as to the firms that they're going to work for, and that is know what your core values are. Now, when I was young, if someone had said to me, so what are your core values? I would have thought, Gosh, that sounds really academic. That sounds like some law. Uh, that sounds like some professor speak. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned over the years is that core values are more than, pardon me, just a a phraseology or concept that sounds really academic. I really prefer actually to use the term core behaviors. Core values are really sign- sort of inanimate and sound academic. But when you change that to a verb. And you say, no, core values are actually core behaviors. You then, as a young professional, have to say to yourself, what are the behaviors, what are the core values I'm looking for in colleagues that I'm going to be working with? Because while we, when we get out of school, we're all so anxious and so excited to get a paycheck as opposed <laughs> to paying tuition. That I if know, someone...
1: somebody has to pay for that education, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> if someone had asked me back when I was looking for my first job, What Well, make sure you align yourself with a firm or a company that has the same core values. I would have thought, hey, as long as they pay me to work, that's good enough for me. Right. But as you get into your career and as a solo practitioner or a small firm, you recognize that core values are what attracts people to align themselves with you, but it also repels people who do not share your core value.
1: Give me an example of a core
0: value. Okay, let me give you an example that's not one of a loss scenario, but you'll you'll get the picture. Here in the Pacific Northwest, this is a story I like to tell because it's so all-American. There was this gentleman, he's since passed, his name was Les Schwab, and he grew up in Eastern Oregon, and he was an orphan, and he was on the wrong side of the tracks. And so there was every reason in the world to believe that he was positioned to be a failure, but he wasn't a failure. In fact, he created a multi-billion dollar tire service company. And there are now hundreds of Les Schwab stores around the West Coast. So the story that I'm going to use to illustrate a core value is when you drive into a Les Schwab store and you're parking your car and you lean over to get pick up your sunglasses and your wallet and your telephone, you then turn and all of a sudden you realize that there's a young man has his nose practically pressed against the glass of your driver's side saying, Well, good morning. How can I help you? Yes. That is called hustle. Mm -hmm. Hustle is a core value of Les Schwab. And so if that weren't a core value that they hired and celebrated over, you can imagine out of every thousand young people that they hired, there would be some that had hustle just, just because. But if they didn't focus on that and they didn't make that one of their absolute no compromise core values... They wouldn't consistently get that quality. And so within the context of a law firm, it can be things like own it or cheerful attitude or do what it takes. I mean, you can list various behaviors that you would say, now that's important to me. Those are the kind of people I want to work with. Perfect. So the way to define that or to accomplish that really, uh, Kelly, uh, in fact, I was uh, rereading my notes earlier today and, uh, I was reminded there are two ways to do that. One is to think of the associates that you've worked with in the past that exemplified the worst behavior (laughs) and those then become your Mm -hmm. Mm anti-values. Take correspondingly the best colleagues you've ever worked with and define what it is that they exhibited that you would say, wow, if I could work with five or 10 people that had all of those qualities that would be heaven. Pick the top two or three, maybe four that you think are really exemplary of what an exceptional colleague displays, and those can become your core values.
1: Excellent. And then the third piece of advice,
0: Oh my gosh, once you get past the first <laughs> first couple, you know it's it's hard to prioritize uh, what the third one would be. But I would tell you here here's an idea, and that is limit yourself. Don't allow yourself, to simply work until the wee hours of the morning. One of the things, and I would say this to myself and I would say this to anybody else, it actually is important to define what the cutoff time is. Now, cutoff time may not be 5 p.m. It may be 6, but it shouldn't be 11. So if you say to yourself, I'm never going to work beyond six o'clock or I'm never going to work beyond 5.30, then what that does is it makes it mandatory in your own mind to get your work done. So what does that do? It means, A, it forces you to prioritize your work instead of C. And focus. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a cutoff time Mm -hmm. and you just consider it, well, I'll just get to it when I get to it, that could be 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. But if you have said, no, I have to be out of here by 5.30 or I have to be out of here by 6, that in itself forces you to prioritize and get the most important items done first. And that actually works.
1: Perfect. Perfect. And just in my experience, lawyers, as you very well know, Coach, that we really don't have a nine to five job, even though it says the, the big law firms expect you there at nine o'clock and you can leave at five. But they give you this pesky little thing, right? This here. When you first start the firm, I remember I was given a BlackBerry. Do you remember Blackberries?
0: Oh, I do indeed. In fact, I love the keyboard. I was very good at, at keying on a BlackBerry, much better than I am actually on my Apple.
1: Right. So they you show up at the first day and, and you're so excited. You know, you're here, you've made it all that hard work in school. They give you an orientation, they give you a BlackBerry and you're super excited. Wow, I've got my own BlackBerry. Then they give you a laptop too and say, oh, it's all ready for you to go. So really a life of a lawyer is not a nine to five. Um, it, it's just not. And so when someone is thinking about, you know, going into a relationship with someone else, I think that's the very first thing they should share with them that our, our life isn't a nine to five job. However, you know, I want to, and I do live a balanced life and absolutely I will value you in my life too, because there's been so many, part of the frustration here, um, coach, and how they can easily fall apart because the other person coming into the relationship just doesn't understand the lifestyle of a lawyer. But yes, I think your advice has been absolutely fantastic. And I do believe that you do have an offer as well for our listeners.
0: Well, yes. And thank you, Kelly. So what I I like to do, because my passion is really to help people become happy, thriving attorneys.
1: Just like me.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I agree. So what I uh, would like to offer is for the first 10 individuals who contact me, and I assume you'll put the contact information in the show notes, Absolutely. but I'll also give it here on the show. So my email is mark at coachrockwell.com, exactly the way it sounds, M-A-R-K at C-O-A-C-H-R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. Or you can even text me at my cell phone, 503 784 Seven two zero five, And the first 10 individuals that contact me, I would volunteer an hour of my time to talk about anything that, that they want to talk about that might be helpful in their legal practice.
1: That's fantastic. Very generous of you. Thank you so much, Coach. And it truly has been a pleasure having you on the show.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much, Kelly.
1: Absolutely. And yes, all of our, uh, our family that's listening, the friends that are listening to the show, They can always go to the show notes of all of our guests and uh, directly contact our guests. We've had some brilliant guests with fantastic information. And again, the show is always about helping entrepreneurs start a business, grow a business. We bring resources to entrepreneurs that, again, can help them be successful in their business. And definitely, we have created tools. You can find these tools on GoLegalYourself.com. It's a do-it-yourself legal protection company which helps you save money and gain peace of mind now who wouldn't want that coach gaining some peace of mind so i am attorney kelly bagler the queen of business law it's been my pleasure being your host today until next time cheers to your success
0: if you're looking to start a podcast on your own use the coupon code what has at checkout and receive a free month of media hosting from our recommended hosting company, Libson.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. This podcast was produced by Imagine Podcasting, and we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand message to be heard. Visit ImaginePodcasting.com for more information.